been doing a series of tests with Republican office holders beginning in this separate country of Washington State, effectively a separate country, separate country of Oregon and California. I use these as template examples on how we check the metal of Republican office holders. This will be a tough one because Jesse Young is with me. Jesse's a friend of mine. Doesn't mean I'm not going to test his metal. He knows that. Jesse is in the state house running for the state Senate. Uh, Jesse, welcome back to the Todd Herman Show. Good morning, Todd. It's good to be with you. Great to have you back. I saw this article in shift.wall with you, and I thought, hey, you know what? It's been a while since we've had Jesse on. Jesse, here's how I see the stakes. I think the United States of America is on the precipice of falling into a China-like model where companies and governments meld into one and affect and abuse the freedoms of Americans to travel, to go as they wish without a segregated vaccination-based society, big pharma-based society. In Washington state, I pretty much think it's a separate country. I think we had a fake legislative session. I don't think anything that came out of that is constitutional. I think domestic terror groups and cartels are allowed to run wild, and I think the Democrats like it that way. What did I get wrong, or where do we differ on the stakes? Well, I think you and I agree more than than most on on those stakes. I, I do think it is more existential. I think the the general jurisprudence from political leaders is to try to try to caution and say that there's a there's a road down the middle. But I think many of the constituents that we have to listen to are defining it in these new terms that I think you're kind of putting a a, a pinpoint on, and that's because you're listening to them every day in in very stark terms. Um, the Democrat Party has decided to take, uh, whether it was politically prudent or not, um, or politically comfortable or not, has decided to take a much more vocal and in-your-face left turn to kind of show what they're about. And in that regard, it's waking up a lot of people. And so it is becoming much more existential with regard to what this country is uh, and what the future is going to be for, for us, for our kids, how we're going to live our life. I mean, never before in my lifetime have we seen so much government control over the way uh, that we live our lives, the decisions that we make. And in that regard, I think it is fair to say that it's existential. And I think it's not only prudent, but I think it's the professional route to go um, because I think people are demanding uh, a level of candor and transparency in the political realm on that, that talking point. Well, and I think, you know, to agree that the existence of America as a functioning democratic republic is at risk. I mean, that doesn't surprise me that we agree on that. I think to hear an office holder say it, say it that way, I think it should surprise a lot of people. I regard Black Lives Matter Incorporated and domestic, and, and Antifa, I regard them as two domestic terror groups. How, how do you explain them? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I, I did get a chance to watch the, listen to the other interviews, and I don't have a problem agreeing with that definition and saying it because I, I judge people by their fruit. If you're going to judge them by their fruit and, and people that know where that quote's coming from uh, can understand uh, why it's a, a valid thing to do. The fruit is a terroristic type of practices, terrorists, uh, terroristic practices, not only on the people that were living in Chaz and Chop, um, terroristic practices on those uh, elected officials, whether it's judges, whether it's uh, legislators, uh, all up and down the aisle, you are seeing a very concerted effort to try to intimidate and use fear and, in some cases, uh, violent force to try to enforce an agenda on people that just want to go about and live their lives. And that's that's really where you get down to the definition of terrorism. I understand why you're using it. I'm not scared to call a spade a spade. That's 
what they're doing. And their fruit right. is very, very heinous. And Jesse Young's with us, uh, 26th Legislative District, running to be a state senator. You mentioned the other interviews. We've had J.T. Wilcox on, with whom you work in the House. He's the House Republican leader. Um, We had uh, John Brana, and John is in the Senate. And since you're running for the Senate, uh, he's the the Republican leader in the Senate. I I, I was frankly dumbfounded. In my um, interview, and I, I, I don't know your working relationship. I, I don't know how much time you guys spend together or anything like that. But we had John Brown on this program, and I and I opened with a very open-ended question. Uh, unlike you, I didn't lay out a set of you know, bullet points. And in my view, I had never talked to John. I wanted to give him just complete runway. I asked him about the stakes, and he immediately came on my program and communicated concern about the so-called far right. And then he did mention, oh, by the way, the far left, too. And I asked him to describe the far right. As near as I can tell, John Braun's assessment of the far right is people who don't trust the electoral process. That's it. And and he went on to say in my program that the winning strategy for Republicans is bread and butter issues, properly funding the school, not talking about crime, etc. Jesse, with all due respect to your colleague, I was absolutely dumbfounded with these answers and you heard the interview. What do you think? Well, I know a little bit more on the inside than, than you're pervy to. And, and this is what I would say. Some, with, with whatever reputation I have, um, I would say that a lot of people that I highly respect, um, as I've sought to try to uh, know more about uh, Senator Braun and get to know him, have spoken very, very highly of him uh, across the board. Not just people that I um, respect, but... Um, people that I would you know, really take some advice if I had to make a, a final decision. And in my own experience with Senator Braun, which has been relatively small, it has been that he is a very pragmatic uh, person. I think it's also worth noting for your listeners that uh, Senator Braun is new to the job. He just took it over. And in, in many cases, he's inherited uh, quite a lot of work to do. And in that regard, I would also note that um, – I think he's been in an echo chamber, as many of your listeners probably know. I was only down in Olympia once this year. That's all I was allowed to be. One day, first day of session. Uh, Senator Braun uh, has basically been sequestered down there with a few other people and has been in an echo chamber. And I think a lot of the established uh, political elite that are down there are jawing in his ear every day that type of talking point uh, that it frustrates you. It certainly frustrates me. They've labeled uh, me, uh, you know, far to the right uh, many times. It's it's not true. And I think John has a unique opportunity now uh, to understand that iron sharpens iron and that he needs to uh, listen to a broader perspective of people because the people that are giving him advice don't have a, a very successful track record down there. And that's why he came in uh, to uh, and that's why he was afforded an opportunity to come in. And that was to to make some make some changes. And I think those changes are going to have to be uh, stark in the realism that not everybody, even if they're maybe your friends, are uh, correctly have the pulse of what the people want um, or can correctly strategize a game plan to success. And I think that if I know anything about the people that have edified John and my own experience with him, I think uh, he's going to get it right, to be honest with you. Um, I can't say the things I just said about him about other leaders. Uh, hopefully you won't ask me about them because I don't really want to air all the grievances on the air. But with John, I think that uh, he's new. He's been in the echo chamber. And um, especially, you know, with, with uh, uh, some of the infighting that he's had to come in and clean up, that was probably 
uh, more on his purview when you asked him that question. And uh, given a second chance, I think that uh, I think that he'd uh, be better uh, prepared to talk about some of the issues that you brought up that were more existential uh, rather than inside party politics. Right. And I, but see, Jesse, here's the thing. I want to make sure I'm talking to the I, I want to make sure I'm talking to the person who they are. I, I don't care about John Braun's talking points. I don't want John Braun rehearsed for the show. You know, I don't want any of that. And, and my fear was I got the real John Braun. I got the real John Braun of, oh, well, the far right's our problem. And and I, I my fear was I got the real John Braun telling me that's, oh, well, crime. No, no, no. We're not going to win in the urban areas on crime. And to repeat three times to him, John, are you kidding me? <laughs> People's houses are being broken into. You're going to win on that. You dared me, basically, my friend, to ask you about another leader, so I will. We'll come back with Jesse Young after we check traffic with Right Way Traffic. Jesse Young is with me running to be in the Senate right now in the House of Representatives, 26th Legislative Districts. We'll get to Jay Inslee, Bob Ferguson, their assessment that cops are murderers. I want to talk with you about that. Um, you, I feel like it kind of dared me to ask you about some of the other leaders. So I want to ask about J.T. Wilcox, House Republican leader in Washington State. J.T. and I had an exchange about this legislative session. It is my assessment that this legislative session was an utter farce, that nothing constitutional came out of it. Not only is there the farce of the fence, which is pure theater, there was the fact that you, Jesse, you're the one who told me about this. You could not you know, do normal floor actions like a floor objection. And I felt like JT's response to that was basically to poo-poo that, saying, you know, we hear the phrases, there being no objections. We hear that hundreds of times each session. No one really, really objects. So I ask you, was there a constitutional, was anything from this legislative session in your mind constitutional? No, I, I, I do not uh, believe that there was. I, I stated as such uh, on the floor of the House that first day in session, I made that case. Um, I think they realized uh, that that is the case. You know, the, the contention that no one ever objects to that is, is actually wrong. And uh, you, you were part and parcel to one of those objections because I objected uh, two years ago, uh, when they made that phrase, uh, uh, you know, hearing no objections to order, I actually objected on the sex ed bill. Uh, it was one of the first times it has been done. And um, I think that when you, when you do that, you're clearly drawing a line in the sand with the majority party that uh, this is uh, a fight that we're about to have. And uh, so it has been done. Um, I think that generally in politics, Todd, there is a fundamental misassessment of risk. I think that a lot of politicians uh, believe that uh, there is there's a pathway that you can take that involves no risk. And it's kind of like they've uh, been a minor investor in stocks, and they think, well, if I buy the bonds, there's low risk there. But if I buy the international tech stock, there's a there's a there's a huge uh, there's a huge risk there. Well, it doesn't work that way in politics, in, in my experience. Every action or inaction has an extreme amount of risk. And in, in that type of maturity with regard to risk and assessing it, um, I sometimes see, see things differently uh, in terms of tactics than our leaders do. And in this case, when you say that you've got a bunch of lawyers who, by the way, have a horrible track record uh, in terms of getting things right, uh, that uh, they're telling you that these things will not be successful, um, I, I, I tend to say, well, hold on a second. How, how successful have these lawyers been in the past with regard to um, the efficacy of challenging whether or not the law was constitutional, this session was constitutional? You know, I can give a separate example. The church that I go to, Harborview Fellowship, 
we actually sued James Lee. We were the law, uh, the, the lead church in the state that sued Governor Inslee and got the churches opened back up. Not that the press would report that, but we've been maskless for over for almost a year now, and we have been. And the governor will not do a thing about it. And the governor admitted so in his court documents in federal court. And so I would say maybe the lawyers that we were using are a little bit better at guiding that in <laughs> the Constitution. Um, the truth is there are a lot of people down in Olympia that think they're smart, but their track record says everything but. And uh, that's kind of how I see it different. And I offend people when I say that. How dare you say that about somebody? Well, excuse me, but how dare you get it wrong so many times and expect to continue to keep your job? I asked J.T. Wilcox if he would uh, act as a witness um, if there was a suit brought against this legislative session. I'm not going to fool myself and say the Seattle Supreme Court even cares or would even care to take the case. Um, But, Jesse, would you back a lawsuit to sue because this session was unconstitutional to override every single law passed or bill passed into law this session? You bet your bottom dollar. I was basically, you talked about daring somebody. That's what I was doing in my floor speech. I'm hopeful that people are out there listening and that the people that have the means will take it up. We, I laid out a case for them. I laid out a case for the discriminatory actions. We are constitutionally guaranteed equal representation. This session did not provide it. It therefore provides a, a strong platform to challenge constitutionally the efficacy and the validity of every bill or action taken in the legislature this year. One of my big frustrations, Jesse, with leadership this year has been, I think they were lackadaisical and, and frankly, cowardly, uh, cowardly in their response to um, Jay Inslee's medically useless, deadly, politically advantageous, selective lockdowns of churches except for yours because you guys sued. They kept the school kids locked up, let the felons go. They shut down mom pa hardware stores and Lowe's and Home Depot benefited. None of it was none of it had anything to do with medical goals. Now they're inserting um, these these compliance documents into society, which people call vaccine passports. They're compliance documents. They're clearly working hand in glove with big business to bring this about. And I ask you, Jesse, in regard to this lockdown, the record increases in teen suicides and suicidal intent. I saw yet another report on that. JT said that he'd seen that debunked a bit. I disagree. I read another report this weekend that it skyrocketed record cases. Does Jay Inslee have blood on his hands in regard to this extended lockdown of, of young people and, and other folks? Well, no, I think he does because by his own definition, he does. Right In, in his definition, when he started the pandemic, then now keep in mind, this isn't me applying a label to him. I believe that the scenario is that he's applied this label to himself. Because when this pandemic started, he said he was going to follow the science. In October and November of last year, he threw science out the window. He admitted it. He said that the the scientific reopening plan that he had been, now a lot of us had believed that uh, he wasn't following the science that we were seeing. Those of us that had access to data behind the scenes would disagree on that. But he was sticking to his script. But then he changed that script openly and admitted it in public last October and November. And since then has been doing anything but following any type of scientific metric. So by his own definition, he has laid the, the, the bed that he's going to be buried in. And I think history is not going to treat the governor well when it comes back to looking at uh, all, all of the, the decisions that he made. And in full perspective, I think that that did lead to a lot of pain and suffering 
of a lot of people that could have been avoided had he genuinely followed the science. Well, I think we're going to see that it led to deaths. I think we're going to see that people didn't go to the hospital because they were basically told if you leave your house, you die. We've seen these numbers now come about in Canada and other countries. I think we'll see the same thing here. So we wrap up with Jesse Young. He's running to be in the Senate uh, of Washington State right now in the State House. Uh, I would contend Bob Ferguson and Jay Inslee have a legal theory that when cops make what may be a procedural mistake, tragic case, a man lost his life. You and I, Jesse, agree that loss of human life is always a tragedy. They employed a spit hood against this guy after three grown men couldn't contain him for 20 minutes. Now, Jay Inslee, Bob Ferguson have charged these three cops with murder. I would regard their decision to allow cartels to run wild, sex trafficking to run wild, the, the drug dealing, these drug camps to exist. I would, I would cops being murdered by, by illegal immigrants who should have been deported by their own legal theory. I would say Bob Ferguson and Jay Inslee share responsibility for these murders. Yeah, you know, I I think that Bob Ferguson um, has done a grave disservice not only to those officers. I think he's done a grave disservice to all of our safety. I just, uh, you know, my daughter just graduated, uh, had her graduating ceremony. We homeschooled her. And I was talking to a local police chief that's a friend of ours uh, from a Pierce County area. And they have effectively, as a result, uh, not only uh, Ferguson's, uh, actions and the governor's actions, but also the bills that were passed this way to effectively defund or kind of shackle police. They've basically now taken a hands-off approach. They will not engage until they have no other choice to, and that's going to hurt a lot of people. Yeah. And make no mistake, Todd, they knew what they were doing. You know, we can get on and say the governor's uh, decisions or Bob Ferguson's uh, decisions are idiotic that they're, that they're done, but these guys are calculated, and the people that surround them daily are calculated. And in that regard, they know what they're doing. They know that they're destabilizing. They know that they, they're trying to find every which way to hide behind political correctness to hurt police, to hurt law and order in this state. And that right there, Todd, that is the number one issue that we're going to win on if we want to take back control of the legislature. If we want to give a voice back to the people, we're going to go reach out to suburban moms and say that we're going to fund our police. We're going yeah. to show them that their kids will be safer under our leadership because we will empower police to do an effective job again, that we're not going to vilify them up front and say that by default we're going to assume that they're guilty every time they're forced into an action. Now, oh, by the way, put their lives at line. And that's yep. the number one issue. You want to win suburban women? You want to win this state? You talk about that. I agree. I agree. Jesse well said. Jesse Young's been with us running for the state Senate. He has my full endorsement. Thank you for coming on. Go with God's good grace. Jesse Todd Herman show will continue.